Praise the Lord, everybody, today. It is so good to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen, amen. We welcome our visitors today. If this is your first time here, we are so glad that you are with us. And uh, we want you to come back and visit, become a regular part of our service. Praise God. Before I read my text and before you are seated, I would like for us today to pray for Brother Riggin and the team that he's with, that God would put a hedge around them, give them favor with the people, and bring them home safe. Praise God. They're going to be on the plane either tomorrow or the next day headed home, and they need, they need the Lord to be with them. Praise God. Let's lift our hands right now and take them before the Lord. God, you know. benefits of living for God. <clears throat> There's benefits in living for God. The world looks at the apostolic and say, I could never live like that. Well, uh, in a sinful nature, you can't. But when you get endued with that power that is from on high, that we know as the Holy Ghost, uh, then you too can live for the Lord with joy. So if you're here today without that peace, uh, we want to give you a chance uh, to receive it before you leave here. Praise God. Amen, amen. Turn with me this morning to the book of Romans chapter 8, the first two verses. Very familiar uh, passage of scripture, but uh, let's read it together. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. Everybody say made me free. From the law of sin and death. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you now for your goodness. Ask you, Lord, to let your anointing rest on your word. Let your anointing rest on our minds that we can hear and understand. God, then on our hearts that we can respond. Put a desire in each person that's here today to leave here ready to meet you in the air. 
We're going to give you praise in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You can be seated. We could go several different directions with uh, the reading of this these verses this morning, but uh, we talked to you Thursday night about a relationship with God, which is the very foundation of uh, living for God. Uh, if you know anything about building a building, you don't just go out and and set a building uh, on the sand or on the a marshy area, but you've got to put a foundation there. A foundation is what holds that building uh, when it is built. And uh, the reason a lot of people start out living for God and are not successful is they just accept the Lord as their personal Savior because that's what somebody told them. And uh, they have no foundation that when the storms come, uh, the desires of the flesh and the pull of the world, they have nothing to resist with. Praise God. But uh, if you would build a foundation in your walk with God, then you too can be an overcomer. Now, there's a lot of apostolics over the years that have received the Holy Ghost, been baptized in Jesus' name, and start out living for God. But that's just the initial phase. That's the first step. That's the birth into the church. And uh, you bring with that experience all kind of baggage. And this world today, the generation that we're living in, because of the drug world and because of uh, our society and our uh, allowing anything and everything to go, there's no restraints on anything. If it feels good, do it. Uh, uh, the, the world has gone crazy. Our religious world has become weak to where sin is no longer sin. Sin is no longer mentioned from the pulpit, so there's no reason for people to feel guilty. Several, well, it's been quite a few years ago now, we had a, a young couple come in the church, and the young man was raised around the church. His parents were in church, and he had been taught, uh, but uh, he, uh, they started coming to church as a family. Uh, they were living together and uh, having children quite regularly and just, just living like the world does. And uh, I started trying to reach for them and teach them what godliness and what godly living was all about. And I, uh, I wasn't getting a much of a response, so I just kept kind of tightening the screws down and getting a little plainer and a little plainer. And uh, After about three or four months, I don't remember exactly how long, 
one Sunday morning, I just got real plain. And uh, she came to me immediately after the service was over, right straight. And she said, Brother Tony, of what you're saying that me and Edward are doing is a sin? You say that is a sin? The world doesn't look at sin like God in the Bible does. And that prevents you from having a relationship with God because God will not cross the sin line to fellowship me or anyone else. So, I want to talk to you today about a relationship with self. Now, any struggle that you have in living for God, uh, basically... Any problems that you have, you're going to deal with, uh, known as the mind. Now, people can come to church and put a big smile on their face, and inside they're caving in. People can say, I'm happy, but inside or at home, they're on depressants. People can run the aisles and never have the joy of the Lord. People can be forgiven of their sins, and it's a whole lot easier for the Lord to forgive you of your sin than it is for you to forgive yourself. You go make mistakes and you go do things that you regret, and you bring yourself under condemnation and you start tormenting yourself and punishing yourself. Uh, and then uh, when uh, uh, you try to be happy, uh, you can't allow yourself to be happy because you're in uh, essence doing penance uh, for what you have done in your life. And uh, you struggle with that. And I want to try to help somebody today break free. Praise God. When the Lord starts talking to you, would you respond to him? You see, it's not when you are is convenient, but when the waters are troubled, that's when deliverance comes. Nobody is going to make fun of you if you stand in the middle of the service and start worshiping the Lord and getting excited because he's breaking a, uh, some bonds and some... Uh, uh, some weights off your shoulder. Praise God. Paul is declaring uh, to these in the church. Now, he's talking uh, to the Roman, the church at Rome, to folks that have the Holy Ghost. He said, there's now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. We cannot live under condemnation and be successful in overcoming. You've got to understand that the Lord, when he forgave you, he forgot. I, I really don't know that much about computers. I know where I, I can find the on and off switch, and I know where the plug is. It goes in the wall and beyond that. 
that's about my limits. But they tell me there's a button that we know as the zap button. If you push it, whether it's intentional or whether it's not, all that you're working on is gone. It's not there. And when God forgives our sins, he wipes the slate clean. Well, I've watched people over the years come back to the altar time and time again and uh, uh, carry on about uh, their past sins and repent over and over and over over the same thing when, in essence, God doesn't even know what you're talking about. Okay? The slate's clean. He forgave you, and he's not going to hold it over your head any longer. Now, the backslider uh, is one of the worst offenders because uh, they know what they left, and when they come to their senses, condemnation sets in. The enemy tells them, you would not be welcome back to church. Those people are living for God. They're living right, and you messed up. They don't even want you back in the building. That's why it's so important when a visitor walks in that everybody in the building don't turn to hear at the squeak of the door. Because when they walk in that door, and half the congregation turns to look at them. The enemy says to them, see there, I told you. They don't want you. You're not welcome here. But thank God for those that have received the revelation and that relationship with God. We know different. We're excited that you're here. We're excited that somebody comes in the door. We're excited when we have visitors that may not understand what how our worship is. I understand we're different. I remember as a 14-year-old boy, I thought that was the craziest group of people I'd ever seen in my life. I never seen anybody act as wild as they did. You felt the same way. But Paul is talking about condemnation. I don't want you to have condemnation. Can I tell somebody, you won't pray on a regular basis if you have condemnation in your heart. You won't worship the Lord like you ought to as an apostolic if you have condemnation in your heart. That's why some people... Uh, uh, go through a worship service with their head hung low because they can't look God, as it were, in the face. Now, condemnation means to censor or to blame, and it's a reason for condemning. Condemnation will drive you uh, uh, to, to fear. It'll drive you, uh, well, it'll drive you away from God. 
But I want to try today to help you to understand that you can have a relationship not only with God, but you can have a relationship with yourself. You can feel good about yourself. Now, I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm just talking about knowing that I'm at peace with God, and because of that, it's now all right for me to feel good about myself even though my past has been awful. All right? Romans chapter 7, verse 1, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he lives. Now, the law, you could never do enough to please God and have your sins forgiven. There was always that guilt. You bring your, your offering, you bring your uh, lamb or whatever the case may be, and uh, your sins was pushed ahead for yet another year, but yet there was always that guilt because the law was so strict until humanity or the sinful nature of man could just not measure up to it. Paul said, I understand that, and I'm writing to a people that are still struggling with the law, even though you now are in the church. Praise God. I saw you seek pardon. I saw you seek holiness and separation from the world and from the law which you know that you'd broken. You knew that you was guilty, but you couldn't find no provision for pardon under the law and no power to sanctify you so that you could be happy in your walk with God. You knew little or no hope then where now I have preached to you that Jesus Christ, which brings a new hope, can help you to live free from sin. That ought to excite somebody. Free from sin, not in sin, free from sin. You don't have to carry that burden on your shoulders anymore. You can be happy. And that's why when we come to church and we start feeling the presence of the Lord, it is, it is a privilege to clap our hands. It is a privilege to lift our hands in praise. That's why that some just get so excited till they run around the building. Praise God. Now, every time I see somebody run, uh, I think of Avery, uh, a young black man in, in Pastor How uh, Howard Davis's church many, many years ago in California. He was just plugged into full 40, as the expression goes. I mean, uh, the first note of the song, he was on his feet and running and bouncing. and It became a nuisance because it was distracting to the visitors. So Pastor uh, Davis said to him, Avery, I don't want you to run. I don't want you to make any more of those actions until at least one other person runs. 
Well, church started, and it was one of those high churches, and uh, some people was getting a little bit slow about, you know, getting in. You know what I'm talking about? They rather would gawk than to participate. And Avery got nervous. He got to, to twisting on the seat, and uh, he just before he exploded, he jumped to his feet and threw his arms in the air, and he screamed as loud as he could, would somebody please do something? I'm happy about what my relations, you can sit there if you want to and go home uh, dry and dull and uh, under but I want to give God praise. To the visitor, that is odd. Because when you come to church, you're supposed to be respectful and quiet. That's why you go home empty. But when you lift your hands and start giving God praise, he responds by pouring out his blessings. He can take care of more of your problems in just a few minutes with your hands in the air giving him praise than a psychiatrist can in a lifetime. Praise God. But even after this experience, Paul was trying to tell them uh, that uh, you can have your sins remitted, you can receive the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and still struggle. Low self-esteem, a poor image of yourself, will cause you to not feel worthy. I, I, just, I just don't deserve. I tried to pastor a young man uh, for years, and he always, he, he, he couldn't look you in the face. He always walked around like this, and uh, he, he, he was constantly talking to me uh, uh, in the office about, I just don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I deserve. I know I'm talking to people because I know how people and how the enemy plays with your mind. You're not living up to the standard uh, that you know that you should be in the church. You're not doing everything just right. Pastor may not know anything about it, but you do, and God does, and when you come in his presence, it's hard to lift your hands. Oh, but when I get that slate clean, and I finally make up my mind, I'm going to live for God. I finally understand, and I get the revelation that God didn't make me, and he didn't fill me and save me to torment me, but he brought me in the church to deliver me and make me happy. Oh, praise the Lord. The late Brother Combs, Reverend Combs in, in Casa Grande, Arizona, uh, went to Casa Grande and way out in, the, I mean, it's in the middle of the sand hills uh, in the desert of Arizona and uh, started a church many, many years ago. Uh, he started preaching, if I remember right, when he was 10 or 11 years old. Uh, he was evangelizing uh, 
I, if I remember right, before he was a teenager. So preaching was all he knew how to do. He literally uh, uh, could not put a screw uh, uh, in the wall for his wife to hang a picture. She had to do that. I mean, he, he had no ability in himself other than to preach. Well, he went there to build a home missions church, a, a, a city that was burned over, a city that uh, uh, had a lot of stigma to it. And, and they said, you'll never do it, Walton. You'll never build a church that uh, Casa Grande is a burnt over field. Well, him and his God uh, didn't understand that. They went there and got a little building and got started. It wasn't long until it was filled up. They built another building. It wasn't long until it was filled up. And right after we retired in 05, uh, we uh, went to the dedication of the new building that he had just erected uh, as he was turning the work over to his son because of ill health on his part. And as we drove into the driveway to the church, I could see immediately how he could build a church in Casa Grande, Arizona. Now, that is, uh, for the most part, predominant, predominantly Spanish people. And uh, he, uh, he tapped into that resource, and uh, that's what the majority of his congregation was. But when we pulled off the highway in to go down in the driveway, they must have been a dozen men, grown adult men, standing out on the highway. They didn't have a clown suit on, but they was acting like a clown. They was slinging their arms in the air, and they was jumping up and spinning around and screaming to the top of their voice, Come into our church. Come into our church. Come into our church. And uh, they had a policy that when they filled up their gas tank uh, at a filling station, the fella or the lady on the other side of the pump was in for a treat. She was a captivated audience, and they witnessed to her while she was trying or he was trying to get gas in the car. When they went to the grocery store, uh, they uh, was going to talk to the cashier while she was giving them change. And they were building buildings faster uh, than uh, they were filling them up faster than they could build them. That was 05. If I remember correctly, 07, they was looking at a piece of property, 20 acres, that they could build another building on. Now, you can pray for revival. You can desire revival. You can work uh, toward revival. You can build a building to house a revival of people. But unless something gets down inside of me and I understand as individuals that my relationship is God with God is so important that if there was nobody else, I was the only person in the world alive, he would have still went to Calvary. I am important to God. 
until you get there, you've never had a revelation of who you now are. Yes, you're forgiven of your sins, but you don't have to be tormented. Praise God. Because you're still living in the past. It's time somebody today deal with their past. It's time somebody today respond and let God open your eyes. Your past is in the past. My future is up front, and God's leading my way in the future. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, and such. Now, Paul had just got through naming. And I know our visitors sometimes come, and they look at, at, uh, at you, and they say, church all their life. They've always lived this way. There's no way I could ever live like that. But if we had time today and just stand and say, sis, stand and tell us what, how you come out of the world. Tell us what you was involved in. Tell us what you was involved in. Tell us what your mouth would fall open. And that's what Paul had said. Uh, he named off gross sins. He named off gross lifestyles. But then he went on to say, now don't get the big head, but such were some of you. You're sitting here today delivered and set free. Why are we not the happiest people in the world? Why are we not the most excited people in the world? Just to have a preacher remind me of where I came from should put me on my feet, should put me running around the building, should put me dancing for joy. God has set me free. But such were some of you. But, but ye are washed but ye are sanctified. And because you've been washed with his blood and sanctified with his spirit, you are now justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. You've been set free and you ought to be able to lift your head high and say thank God for victory. Oh, praise the Lord. Paul had just got through talking to them about their unrighteousness and about their sin. And he said, you know you were guilty then, but now you've been washed. You're not the same person. There used to be a saying years ago in Pentecost when, that uh, when somebody got the Holy Ghost, particularly a man got the Holy Ghost, that he went home, even the dog and cat knew that something had happened. Because he wasn't kicking the dog around anymore. He wasn't screaming and yelling at the neighbors anymore. What happened to you? Well, let me tell you. Oh, praise God. Something ought to come over you as an apostolic when somebody at work says, Why are you always so happy? Why have you always got that smile on your face? I saw that coworker cut you in the back. I saw that individual do you wrong, and I watched you close. You never 
throttled up. You never retaliated. You just went home with a peeve. What happened? What is the difference? Oh, let me tell you. I, I didn't know. I wasn't always like that. Oh, praise God. The red-headed Irishman just says, oh, that's just my nature. That's Oh, no. When you get the Holy Ghost, the color of your hair may not change colors, but your disposition changes because now I got something to give me power to overcome that. Oh, the habitual liar, uh, uh, he may not uh, understand what happened, but now when he starts to tell that untruth, that little small voice says, whoa, stop. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know what you're feeling, but I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. God's trying to break in on somebody's mind and trying to help you understand it don't matter how long you've been in church. It don't matter how long you struggled with this situation. God's here today to deliver you and set you free and send you home with a shout and a joy in your heart. Oh, praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Being forgiven and in the church does not take away the memories of one's past struggles and failures. But we have hope. You see, when you was out there in the world doing whatever you was doing, you had no power. Many is the alcoholic that I've talked to in a drunken stupor break down and start crying and say, Preacher, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to abuse my family. I don't want to abuse my children, but I can't help myself. We had a couple come uh, in, in the church we pastored that was on a heroin habit of two hundred dollars a day was the story he told. He says, I wake up every morning and I feel fresh and I'll think, man, today's my good day. I'm going to kick this habit. And he said by nine o'clock he'd feel it way down in the bottom of his gut and it would start coming up. And he said, I knew instantly I had at the maximum one to two hours to come up with $200 to buy my habit. Where do you think he got $200 from? He didn't work because he couldn't hold down a job because he was high all day. He got it from your home while you was at work uh, trying to uh, uh, make for your family a living by breaking in and stealing and then selling to get drugs. But when the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, he what didn't have to get up the next morning and go find $200. When we were in California, I worked in a prison ministry. And uh, we provided uh, a home uh, where when men got out of prison, they could come and live in this home 
in a Christian environment till they could get back on their feet and get a job and, and what have you. And, of course, uh, we were working to bring them to church. And, and almost every one of them, well, those that stayed, did come to church and got the Holy Ghost. One Spanish man had been in every prison in the state of California and some in Arizona. And at his lowest point, he sold his baby boy for money to buy his next fix. That was the depth. You think he didn't have problems? You think he didn't have torments of his mind every day of his life? I sold my son. I sold my baby boy just for 24 hours of pleasure. But oh, when he knelt his knee at an old-fashioned apostolic altar and the Lord forgive Joe Rosales of his sins and he spoke in other tongues, God set him free. I said, God set him free. I said, God set him free. God give him victory over his past. And the Bible that I see read says he's no respecter of persons. And if he can do it for Joe, he can do it for you. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Memories. But I have hope today. You said, preacher, you've always, no, 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 no. You don't understand. 14 years old, I was already headed for trouble. I could tell you my story today, and you probably uh, would throw yours away, not thinking, uh, uh, you just think that yours is the worst situation. But I know where I was. I know what torments my mind even today. Some of the things that we didn't even know what the word drugs meant. Thank the Lord for that. Because if, if it had have been, I'd have been on them. And there's no telling what would have been the end. But uh, uh, we didn't know anything about it. The worst thing that uh, uh, boys growing up then would slip off in the woods and cut a, uh, a joint of uh, grapevine. And smoke a grapevine. Now that is a thrill. If you've never done it, don't try it. We didn't understand that those pores in that grapevine was large. And when you sucked that fire, it come right through those pores and in your mouth and down your throat. Sin is never pretty. But all oh, when the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost. I went home and uh, we were poor. We just went to whatever church we lived the closest to because we walked. We didn't have cars. We walked everywhere we went. In a little poor community, poor family. My dad left home when I was 11 years old. I was the oldest boy, 
we had I had four brothers and my mom had to struggle uh, she ironed white shirts with the old wash pot where they made the starch in the wash pot and dipped the shirts in it and then she ironed those shirts with the old wood iron out of the fireplace for 10 cents a piece to try to make money uh, uh, to to, to raise five boys. I remember very clear as though it was last night walking in the bedroom. There were two bedrooms in the house for a mom and five boys. She slept in one room and we slept in the other. And I remember so clear walking through that room and there was that twenty-two rifle that my uncle had given me that she had leaned against the head of the bed. I knew immediately what her plans were and what her thoughts was. But God spared us of that. I'm telling you, you can have torments, but when you come to God or when you get a revelation and a relationship with yourself, God don't intend for you to be tormented. Praise God. James 1, and 24. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. You're going to have to do something about what I'm talking about today. You're going to have to respond to what I'm, the hope that I'm offering you today. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, I'm telling you, you can receive the Holy Ghost in this service, but you're going to have to do something about it. I'm telling you, you can leave here an overcoming apostolic child of God, but you're going to have to do something about it. Doer, he is likened to a man beholding him, his natural face in a glass. Did any of you look in a mirror this morning before you come? Look like most everybody did. Some of you spent more time in front of it than others. That's obvious. Some of you don't have to spend much time. You can just, just you know. Get a wash rag and you can go. And others have to spend a little more time. But he says, the man that looks in the glass and then goeth, beholdeth himself. It's amazing to watch some people front of a mirror. Wow. If you could just tap in and, and record what's going through their mind and what they're thinking about themselves. Oh, would it not be a good piece to publish. But they look in the mirror and the straight way or at once, when they walk away from that mirror, forgetteth what kind of man he was. Or they forget what they look like. Immediately. How many times have, have some sit in an apostolic church under the presence and the anointing of the Holy Ghost with a sincere desire to be different? They, 
They go home and they want to think about it. They want to reason it out. And then they walk away from that mirror of God's anointing. That, that drawing power leaves and they can soothe their conscience over and they can live with themselves until the next time. He's never settled in his mind. He can never seemingly measure up to the expectation who you are by God or man. But I want to challenge somebody today to learn early on to keep yourself before that mirror. That's why it's so important to pray through every day, to spend time with God every day so that you can see afresh, hey, this is how I look. Oh, yeah, I remember now. I need to deal with that situation. Can I tell you I've been in this way well over 60 years. I've been preaching over 60 years. And I still struggle, I still struggle sitting in a moving service with anointed preaching, and I say, God, I'm going to move up in this area. You just exposed a shortcoming, and I'm going to deal with that. To get out from under that, that power in a week, a month, a year later goes by, and I say, didn't do what I wanted to do. I'm going to stay before God's mirror. I can't afford to forget what I was, but neither can I forget where he brought me from. I can't dwell there. I can't dwell on my past or I'll wind up going back to my past. A person that is always dealing with struggling with their past will always feel like a failure. Praise God. There's just no use trying. I can never do things right. So why even try? I can't be used of the Lord. They look up here and they see these mute. I can never do that. I can't be, I can't do nothing. You put yourself down. I, I, I can't be, I've always failed, so I might as well just accept it. I'm saddened today, Sister Sharon. We pastored her, and then when we retired, Brother Johnson pastored her. 30 years. Just recently, she turned and went back to her old lifestyle. Why? Because she was always negative, always talking about she couldn't do anything. She had no potential. When the lady was eat up with potential, when she come to God, her brain was so fried and scrambled with drugs. 
The state had convinced her she would never hold a job down because your mind is fried with drugs. You might as well just take this little meager assistance and learn to live on it. But when the Lord filled Sister Sharon with the Holy Ghost, uh, she either has an AA degree uh, today or right very close to it. She went back to college. God restored her mind, but she always was living in the past. And it took 30 years, but eventually it took its toll. It's sad when good people full of the Holy Ghost, and I'm talking to somebody today. You can't struggle with your walk with God very long until after a while you will just finally say, What's the use? And walk off. The enemy is going to try to pull you and to show you that you are a failure and you are nothing and a nobody, but God don't make any junk. If you let him, he'll make you into a beautiful vessel that can be used in the kingdom. But you know what? This was a feeling that was in Paul's day. But this is a spirit that comes from hell. And the devil wants a child of God to feel like a failure. He don't want you to feel good. He don't want you to feel good about yourself. But when you first receive the Holy Ghost and you start working on that first flaw or that first step of a relationship with God, all of the forces of hell are unleashed to cause you to remember the old man. Remember what you used to do? I got the Holy Ghost in 1954, the summer of 1954. And there are times when the Spirit of the Lord is moving and the Holy Ghost is really moving in a service. An old smutty joke that my buddies told me before that time comes flashing through my mind. I've had enough birthdays now to sometimes have trouble remembering my name, where I was yesterday and what I'd done. But that's back there and it flashes to try to distract me from the presence of God. I'm trying to help you to understand you're not different. Praise God. The failures that you were was before Calvary. Oh yes, they was all failures. But, 1 John 5, 3 through 5, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth, continuation thereof, E-T-H, means to continue to, that Jesus is the Son of God. 
the same Jesus that delivered you is the same Jesus that's going to give you a renewed victory today. Oh, yes, I can't deny I used to love the world, but now I love God. For the first time, I have power to change. I'm not in that pit anymore. I've been set free. You need to memorize John 8, 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Certainly and truly is indeed. As sure as God spoke it, I'm free. You will never feel good about others. And that's why some people have trouble getting along with other saints. You will never feel good about others until you first feel good about yourself and your relationship with God. Because you're going to feel intimidated and low self-esteem, low self-worth until you get back in front of God's mirror and understand that you're forgiven and you're set free. You're set free from my past. Now, this is not pride. This is not arrogance. This is humility that God really loved me enough, me, to set me free. Isaiah 50 and 7, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. Oh, praise God. I don't have to hang my head now. I can be a witness. I'm not ashamed of being apostolic. I'm not always living just... Uh, the borderline. I'm not always living just on the fence, uh, but I'm going to make sure uh, that if God's pleased with me right here, surely he'll be pleased with me over here. Pastor, you ain't going to have to correct me anymore because now I know who I am and I have a relationship with God and I'm not ashamed of what I've got anymore. I refuse now to be ashamed or confounded. Isaiah 51 and 6, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. Oh, praise God. It's hard to lift up your eyes without lifting up your head. And it's hard to lift up your head without realizing that there's a God in the heavens that has brought me where I am. You may not have always been the most popular. You may not have always been the most overcoming. But I'm here today looking in the eyes of a God that loves me and that wants to deliver and that wants to set me free and wants to help me to see who I am in the church. Oh, praise God. You're not a failure. Your church is not a failure just because it's not as big as somebody down the road. I'm telling you, God's not looking at numbers even though we'd like to see this building full. God's looking at people that are ready for the rapture. 
Oh, when the trumpet sounds and this good pastor can say, ah, the majority ah, is ready for the rapture. He could present 25 or 30, maybe more than the one down the street or down the road is running in the hundreds. I'm telling you, God's looking for good, clean, apostolic folks that know who they are and know who their God is. And they're not intimidated by the world and what others are doing. Your God's not a failure. Your church is not a failure. Lift your head up. Get excited because you have a good man of God that's still bold enough to tell you what you need to hear and not necessarily what you want to hear. That's bold enough to say, hey, we ain't going to do that around here. That's not going to be allowed around here. Well, I understand when you do that, there's always going to be somebody that's disgruntled that'll get up and walk out and go down the road and they'll be put on the platform and don't change God's plan. That don't change this book. And oh, you ought to get excited when your man of God stands in this desk and says, hey, this is the way we're going to go. This is what pleases God. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I told our folks, when we went to the, took the church that we pastored for 25 years, there was, there was three or four sets of poles. Three. Three sets of Two-inch pipe. Uh, when the song service started, everybody kicked their shoes off and started marching. And everybody marched in the song service until everybody shouted. Now that was phase one of the ritual, and that's all it was, was a ritual. Now, if somebody didn't shout, they were reported to the pastor. Now, during this process, the men would go back to the back door, and they would run down the aisle, and they would grab this pole, throw their feet out behind them, and the one that could swing around the pole the most revolutions was the most spiritual for that service. I could see right away I had my hands full. It wasn't very long until I made the brilliant suggestion, wow, wouldn't this altar look beautiful in the center of this building? It just happened to be in front of those poles. That stopped that. One night I said, if you and your what you're calling worship are trying to impress me, I am not impressed. I'm going to teach you what worship is all about. Now, 
if you can jump and squeal when the music is going right and the tempo is just right and you can turn your worship on and off like a faucet. Now, I just have to do things my way. Nobody else wouldn't even think of such things, but you can just turn it on and off like a faucet. Just turn it off while the music is beating. And you wait until the pastor is coming down your row in a Bible study and he's cleaning your clock. If you just got to shout, get out in the aisle and shout then. And you've got the goods. We've got entirely too much flood of that kind of stuff. But you ought to thank God, church, that your pastor said, no, that's not the way worship is. Oh, praise God. We got to the place to where they could be running and, and shouting and dancing, and I'd look over to the organ player, and I'd say, start singing Amazing Grace. And that beat would go down in Amazing Grace. They still shouted, and they still run the aisles. I'm telling you, when you get a relationship with God, you don't even have to have music. Or praise the Lord. You don't even have to have the beat of the drums. Isaiah 49 and 16, behold, pay attention. I'm fixing to make a special announcement. That's what behold means. I have graven thee in the palm of my hand. God don't know where I'm at. God knows exactly where you're at. God knows exactly what you're struggling with. Oh, praise the Lord. God knows exactly where your breaking point is. That's why he said he'd never put no more on you than you could bear. That's a God that monitors your actions and reactions 24-7. I've got you right here where I could never forget that you're my child. I know your name. I've got it carved in my hand. And when God speaks, let all creation step back and take note. It don't matter what that other voice is saying to you. God is saying, I want to bring deliverance to somebody today. God is saying, I want to help somebody come out of here with a joy in their heart and a spring in their feet that when they come back tonight, they can't sit still because of the joy that I'm feeling. Oh, hallelujah. You're special to me. You don't have to live in that life of sin anymore. You can be delivered today. I don't care how many times you've tried in the past. God can set you free today, fill you with the Holy Ghost, and send you home with the joy in your heart. When this relationship starts to develop, you're going to then get excited and get Excited and rejoice. I'm almost through. Hebrews 12 and 12. Wherefore, lift up your hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Get your hands in the air. Let me ask you without you responding, were your hands in the air this morning during service? Was your head bent low during service this morning? How the Lord said, get your hands up. 
Oh, praise God. Those that hang down and the feeble knees that I can't get on my feet and worship God. Get those hands in the air praising God excitedly. And when this begins to happen, you're going to start feeling like and realizing that God really does love me. And it's okay for me to feel good about myself. Even though the memories are still there, but the sin is not. The scars are still there, but the sin is not. Hey, I really am free. Pinch yourself and say, hey, yeah, I really am free. I'm in the flesh still, but I'm free. Hebrews 13 and 6, so that we may boldly say, no more bashful and and shy, but boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I shall not fear what man shall do unto me. I don't have to be intimidated anymore. Get bold in your declaration. I now for the first time understand who I am in the Holy Ghost. Therefore, I can come out of my shell and I can dance in my newfound victory because now I know that I can be used of the Lord. Hello? I can be used of the Lord. There's a place in the kingdom for me as long as I keep developing my relationship with God. It's okay to feel good about myself. Oh, for I'm destined to be a winner. I'm destined to be a winner. Somebody wake up for the next few minutes. I'm destined to be a winner in and with my God and with my newfound revelation. I can feel good about myself and it's okay, not because of my goodness, but because Jesus really does love me. He has saved me or he has a desire to save you this morning. And he's now working on me. And I'm going to get excited. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Have I talked to anybody today? Has the Holy Ghost talked to anybody today? Are you ready to get out of that hangdog uh, relationship with your mind and say, hey, it's time that I get happy in the Holy Ghost. It's time that I get happy about living for God. It's time that I get a relationship to where I can enjoy praying. Oh, hallelujah. The song leader won't ever again have to say, lift your hands and give God praise. I pledge that my pastor will never again have to say, come on, church. Let's let's all come in the building uh, now and let's have church. Come on, somebody respond to the word of the Lord. I'm going to be the prayer. I'm going to be the worshiper. I'm going to be the responder that God's looking for in Olathe, Kansas. I'm going to be the individual that God can work through. I'm going to be the conduit that the Holy Ghost can flow through in any service. Oh, praise the Lord. 
I'm still looking for somebody to respond. Well, I'm through, but you should not be through. Something ought to come over you. I'm going to be the conduit that God can use in this church to turn this thing around and bring the revival that we're seeking after. Because when God's people began to pray, and on the day of Pentecost, they were assembled together in one place, in one accord. Where's your mind at right now? Come on. Is there somebody here that needs the Holy Ghost? Thank you, sis, for responding. God's going to do something for you this morning. God's going to give you a victory that you've been struggling with for a long time this morning. I'm not ashamed to get up and walk down the aisle. How about some of you men that's eat up with pride? Or you struggle in the dark, but I can't afford to let somebody wonder what's wrong with me. What difference does it make? I'm going for my victory. If you're here and you need the Holy Ghost, come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, praise God. How about it? Why would you want to go back to the beggarly elements of the world when God can deliver you and set you free this morning? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, church, let's get plugged in. Why would I want to go back with my problems when God has promised me he'll deliver me today? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hands in the air and begin to give God praise. Oh, the devil's a liar. You don't have to feel built down. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. How about it? How about it? How about it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, find somebody to pray with. Find somebody to encourage. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Go back there. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your glory, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't let your head hang down. Once you repent, lift your hands up. Lift your head up and let God come in your heart. Oh, praise the Lord. The devil's a liar. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Let the Holy Ghost do a work here today. Whoa, wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, when you get your deliverance, get your hands in the air, help somebody else. Come on, help somebody else. Oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, he wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free. 
He wants to fill you with His Spirit. Oh, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Let the Lord deliver you. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord, for my sins. I'm sorry, Lord, for my lifestyle. Forgive me, Jesus, and give me joy. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He's wanting. He's ready. He's eager. He's ready. He's eager. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you can't feel the presence of the Lord, the Bible says leap for joy. I'm tired of living like this. I'm going to get out of this realm. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in your newfound experience. Oh, bless your name, bless your name, bless your name, bless your name, bless your name. Great is the Lord and great is your power. Great is the Lord and great is your power. Great is the Lord and great is your power. Great is the Lord and great is your power. Come on. Get happy. Rejoice in the Lord. Come on. Get happy. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, what could the Holy Ghost do if somebody would get loose? What could the Holy Ghost do if somebody would get excited? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, praise his name. Come on, come on, come on. Turn loose and let the victory come. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Victory's yours. Give God praise. Get happy about your victory. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, God's on our side. Deliverance. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pray with one another that victory could come. Oh, praise the Lord. Find somebody you can pray with. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let the glory of the Lord come in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Let the glory of the Lord come in this house. Oh, bless the Lord, 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 bless the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, victory, Jesus. Oh, victory, Jesus.